Let's stand up. Let's get to the scripture. Hebrews 11, 32 through 40. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fires, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all of these... Though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better, so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Father, we thank you for this morning and this time to be together as brothers and sisters. And Lord, we pray now, uh, you bless these few moments, that you open our hearts and our minds so that your spirit may work in us, forming us more into your image. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. The poet Wendell Berry writes this poem. Do not live for death. Pay it no fear or wonder. This is the firmest law of the truest faith. Death is the dew that wets the grass in the early morning. In the early morning dark, it is God's entirely. Withdraw your fatal homage and live. Do not live for death, the poet says. I was in Sunday morning class a couple weeks ago, and we actually talked about this morning, too, with our young professionals, and this question came up in the course of our conversation. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? When we're younger, say my son's age, we might answer it this way. We're afraid of the dark, right? The closet underneath the bed or for me the corner of the room and over the journey of our lives all of us would probably answer that question differently now than we would say as a seven-year-old but what I believe stays the same even though the answers may change is this I think it's how we react to those answers we tend to shape our lives around those said fears and maybe that's why we really don't like to answer the question when somebody asks us, what are you afraid of? We just would rather just not answer it. I mean, the last thing we want to admit to, right, is, is being afraid of anything. But I believe that we know deep down in us that fear is real. And that that fear that is real kind of lives inside of us in a way. Now, when times are good, when life seems to be rolling, and life's going at a steady pace, and everything is copacetic, then fear seems to kind of just be in the back seat. You don't really notice it. It's there, uh, but it's not that loud. It lingers mostly in the corner, but it's definitely not in the front of the room. However, when life gets hard, when life throws you let's say a curveball when you're expecting a fastball I thought that metaphor worked really well this week 
then those fears tend to go from the corner of the room to the front of the room. What was once dormant or just a whisper now becomes a blaring horn in our lives. It, it makes sure we can't ignore it. It interrupts us at every turn and it, it reminds us that it is present. And such is life, I guess. It's what we figure out as we grow, that life is this journey through the ups and downs, and that life is not some static adventure that once you get it figured out, then, well, you've got it figured out. I think even the oldest of us in the room would say we don't quite have life figured out, right? Right? Like, we may have been around a while, but we don't have it figured out. Recently, my son, Isaac, has started asking Laurie and I a thousand questions. And if you know my son, that shouldn't really come as a surprise. He is curious about everything. I mean, everything. Ask questions, just, it just, it, I don't know what pops into his head. But he has become especially curious about stages in life, such as, what is, which is more fun being young or being old? Which is harder, being an adult or being a kid? Is it easier, mom and dad, to be 20 years old or 30 years old? Yeah, I don't know. With each question he asks, I found myself waffling for an answer, like trying to find an answer in life, right? Like all of these things. And instead, what's been interesting, though, is it has sparked in me these kind of memories of life stages. Do you know what I mean? Like as he asks, like what's, what's it better to be, a, a kid or an adult? Well, I started thinking back to when I was a kid. And I started thinking about the, the good stuff as a kid. But then I remember like I had to go to school. That wasn't, well, some of you, that might have been fun. And then I start thinking about like adult life and, and all that. And, 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 and then, it, you know, what's it, is it more fun being a 20-year-old, 30-year-old? I start thinking about 20-year-olds and when I was a 30-year-old and, and all of these different things. And Laurie and I have told so many stories to him to attempt to explain our many non-answers to his questions. It's become a journey to who I was, Right? to who I am now, and then also begin wondering who I'm going to be when I'm older, right? Which, you know, you know I have a seven-year-old. I'm going to have a kid for a long time. With even though that these questions are funny and at times annoying and at times extra, they have caused me to reminisce and think about what the future holds, what life is, what it looks like. And so to that, I say I've got a pretty smart seven-year-old trying to get me to think about these things. In our text for today, this back half of Hebrews 11, the writer begins with this kind of, in the words of one theologian, an oratorical throat clearing as we read it. And what more should I say, he kind of begins if the, a writer attempted to continue, he says, then, then time would fail him. The writer has, well, he doesn't have a lot of time. He's, he's, he doesn't have enough ink 
to write all the stories. And so all the writer can do is summarize the deeds of life and faith throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. And the question comes up, and I can almost hear my son ask it to the Hebrew writer, so which one, Hebrew writer, is the exemplar of faith? And the Hebrew writer looks back at Isaac and says, I can't really single out a story. The stories the Hebrew writer writes are meant to witness to us about faith and how it has continued to prevail in the life of the community from the beginning of time. Remember Adam, remember Cain and Abel and those guys, right? From the beginning of time until the end of chapter 11. The Hebrew story, the story of God's work in the world shows us this journey of faith through time and history as it directed those who spoke for and acted for God. And the best I could come as I read it is, we see this tapestry of faith. The writer at the end weaves all of the stories together in life. And what do we, what do we find throughout the list of deeds by many of the people of faith, some named as we read in the beginning, but others not named, we find stories of a living, active, and trusting faith in all instances of life. If life is a journey through the peaks and valleys of experiences, then faith is on that same journey with us. It's as if the Hebrew writer is saying that this faith that I began to talk about in the first part of chapter 11 is carried through all the moments good and bad. Faith then is more than just an ascent of belief statements. I said that a few weeks ago. I have talked about this before. Faith is not just I believe in X, Y, and Z. Right? Like I could say it out of my, no, no, no. Faith is more than just I believe in X, Y, and Z. That's a part of it. But faith travels with us. Faith is a life companion that informs all parts of our life, is what the Hebrew writer is saying, as he mentions all of these deeds. From the very good things that happened to us, a faith that conquered lands, to the very valleys that we go through. It's faith, the Hebrew writer says, that can sustain us in both the good times and the bad times. It's faith that can ground us in the good times. In the bad times. By telling the story of faith through, through the stories and deeds of the characters, of the Hebrew writer can witness to the faithful, what faithful response looks like. We've seen it through the characters, but now as he summarizes, we get this whole landscape of life from the beginning to the end, from the good to the bad, and the Hebrew writer can say, this is what it kind of looks like. All of life was informed by faith, the Hebrew writer says. All of life was informed by a faith in God through the, ac- uh, through the actions of their exhilaration. Those who conquered kingdoms, those who obtained the promises, those who shut the mouths of lions is what the writer says. Those who quenched the raging fires, those who escaped the edge of the sword. He says, through the exhilarating moments, faith was there. That's when faith is easy, though, is it not? But then he says this, he says, well, faith was even there in the not-so-good moments, as we see in 36 and 37. He doesn't leave it out. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment keeping keep going with this theme they were stoned to death they were sawn in two just in case you wanted a good visual image they were sawn in two they were killed by the sword they were uh, they went about in skins of sheep and goats destitute persecuted and tormented 
Whatever the circumstances were in life, and life is full of surprising circumstances, the Hebrew writer believes their actions, their perseverance, their faith was honored by God. And that that faith can speak into the many undulations of our life. That the Hebrew writer can just say, life is this big thing that we read about, and faith is part of it, and it goes with the good times, and it goes with the bad times. When we read this life of faith in the latter section of this text, we are reminded that, that faith is not a passive thing. It's not a, just an X, Y, and Z thing. It is active. I appreciate what Charlie was saying. We are participants in this activeness of God, right? We are participants in the activeness of God's love. It's not as if you got baptized and God said, well, good, I'm through with you. Check that one off the list. Let me go to the next person. No. What we read here is it is active. It is constantly working on us and through all of life's moments. What do we witness in the text about faith? Faith speaks to us to live, as the poet says. Live. You live through fear. You live through death, is what the Hebrew writer writes actually in Hebrews 2.15 when he says, you know what sin is? It's the fear of death. Because we have this fear of death, we kind of live out of that fear. And boy, we do things to people. We do things to ourselves. We do things to God that we never would imagine. Why? Because you're living out of this fear of death. This fear is what, what does something to us. And here now, from 2 to 11, he says, Oh, no, 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 but let me tell you the stories in all of life about the guys who lived through death who lived through fear. And you know what it was? It was faith that got him through it. Faith speaks into us and challenges us to see life and live life through the lens of Christ. Beginning of Hebrews 11, what does it say? The writer says it right here. It is for things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's being able to see through the fear, beyond the fear, past death, into something even better. We'll talk about that in a few weeks in Hebrews 12. The stories of faith speak to us today. Their lives, as he tells us, gives us some names in 1132. They tell us the story of something better that God is preparing for the faithful. Their lives pointed toward a future to come. It was a future that was before them. They had not received it, and they had not seen it, but there was something inside of them, something that gave them the energy and the endurance and the passion to continue pressing forward, even when they saw others suffering, even when their own lives were suffering. Something about them could keep pushing forward. Isaac talking to Paul. Hey, Paul, what's better? The end of when you were a Jew or when you were a Christian? By the way, this is the same guy who, and you know, Paul's like, well, no. I was reminded of this this week in, in Acts. In Acts, uh, the, the 21st chapter, when, when Paul is, is with his friends and, and he's going to Jerusalem and they're all, they're all telling Paul, he's been prophesied to, Paul, you're going to suffer. Paul, literally, uh, they're going to bind you up. How do I know that? Because this prophet comes to Paul in chapter 21 and binds himself with Paul's belt. And he's like, this is what's going to happen to you, Paul. It's not going to be pretty. And yet, what does Paul say? He looks at his friends and he says, ah, why are you breaking my heart? Even if I have to suffer and die, I'm going. What kind of faith in the midst of that can see death and say, Ah, I can look past it. If it's for Jesus, I'm going to go. 
It's this faith that the Hebrew writer speaks of of these people. He says, I don't have time, but what I can do is I can summarize the stories from the good to the bad. And they all have this in common. They saw something that none of them could see. They understood something that nobody else could understand. That there was something better out there for them. And he says this in verse 40. Since God had provided something better. But get this. So they would not, get this. And he says it to us, apart from us. So you learn from this and realize if you can look this way and live this way, not in fear, to see that faith looks way past fear, then that thing in which they saw and which they're getting ready to attain is the exact same thing that you're going to attain, which is what? To be made perfect in Christ. That Jesus has something far better for you. We learn to live in faith towards something better because we just learn to live. Faith is living. Faith is not finding a cave and staying in it. Faith is not shutting the doors of the church and being like, well, thank goodness we're saved. Good luck to all you other people. It's not. It's living. Faith is living. Faith is living into every moment, knowing that God is pushing you towards a better future. Faith is believing, or better yet, in the words of Paul when describing Abraham in Romans, faith is hoping against hope in every moment of life's journey. And get this, as we do, we become more like Jesus. We begin to see the world differently. We begin to see life differently. We become what, and, and we become this thing. We become the person that we're called to become at the beginning of the chapter. The person who can see the things that cannot be seen. The person who can hope for the things that, that it's just not there. But you know it's there. A lived faith is more than just doing acts in public, which is important. But a, a lived faith pulls us into becoming the person that who we are in Christ. So we act in our faith, but as we act in our faith, we're becoming more of this person. And so more and more as we grow up, then people begin to see Christ in us, right? Be people begin to see in Christ in you and how you handle the hardest moments of life. There's a, re there's a reason why even in funerals we can celebrate. You know what I mean? There's a reason why we can even celebrate in funerals. Why? Because as we're reminded in 1 Corinthians 15 by Paul, where, O oh death, is your sting? And where, O oh death, is your victory? It's like the Hebrew writer is saying, this is what's going on here. We become more like Christ as we live in faith in life. The faith that, that God is pulling us towards a new future, into a new beginning. It causes us to see through the peaks and the valleys towards a future made perfect. Now, it's not always easy, and I get that. When we read through the deeds of faith, we like the ones when God conquers things, and we like the one about perseverance. Uh, the last thing we like to read is, you know, people sawn in two. But we realize that it's faith that leads towards suffering, that faith does not fear the things that are coming ahead, that faith understands that there's good and there's bad, but faith isn't afraid of the good or the bad. It's just life. It's what life is. It's hard. It's easy. It's rough. It's smooth. But faith gives us the eyes to see through it and to understand that, that 
in all times, the Hebrew, the Hebrew writer writes as he writes is about faith. What more can I say but what I will say that faith travels with you in life wherever you go, no matter what instance. It does not abandon you, but it sticks with you. We're reminded that wherever we go in life, the good and the bad, that faith travels with us. Faith shapes us into who we are and who we become in the world. A living faith, a faithful life doesn't happen over time. It happens through the journeys as we encounter the fearfulness of life, and guess what? We live to tell the story. As we get through the hard times, and then we live to tell the story. These stories we read tell us that we can live through this as well, that we can make it through, that we can see past it. We can live because faith lives beyond the fear. Faith lives through the fear. Faith triumphs over fear, and faith even triumphs over life itself. The question then becomes, what story does your life tell others? What story does your life tell others about faith? I continue to quote this guy because he's meant a lot to me, his book has. But the late rabbi Jonathan Sachs writes about faith and life this way. I like what he says. He says, it takes many years, a lifetime. But as we chip away the abrasive edges, the, the, the dysfunctional reactions, the faults and the weaknesses, what emerges is life as a work of art. And here in this last part of Hebrews 11, the writer says, the life of faith is a work of art. It's a tapestry being woven together by God through the good times in the bad times. And we learn so much about ourselves in those times. But we also learn a lot about God. And that God won't abandon us in the good times. And that God does not abandon us in the worst of times. But instead, God's saying, I'm giving you the eyes to see through it. I'm giving you the eyes to see beyond it. What I'm reminded about in the story of Paul in Acts 21 The same thing I'm reminded about when Jesus is at Gethsemane is that Paul, in the midst of this, is saying, whatever it is, I do it for Jesus. And Jesus, as he's at Gethsemane, is praying to the Father, saying what? Hey, this, this cross thing sounds really hard. There's another way. But there's the eyes of faith that in the midst of the difficulty says what? But Lord, your will be done. That's the prayer of the faithful. But Lord, your will be done. And if we can say that, in the good times, in the bad times, then the stories that we have to tell. And so what are you afraid of? That's my question. What are you afraid of today? What's keeping you back, holding your faith back because you're just fearful enough and the hebrew writer says you have nothing to fear in faith because fear can't hold a candle to the faith in the one who holds speaking of revelation at the beginning we'll speak of revelation now in revelation one john witnesses the resurrected jesus And Jesus in all of his glory. Do you remember what Jesus is holding? The keys of Hades. 
I hold the very keys of death itself. I hold it. And if we have the faith in this one who holds the keys of Hades, then the Hebrew writer says, our promise is assured. So therefore, faith can conquer every fear that you have. That God has already conquered every fear that you have. So what are you afraid of today? What are you afraid of? And does your life speak to the fear? Or does your life speak to faith? It's just a question sometimes we have to ask ourselves from time to time. And I'm not saying fear doesn't, fear is always going to be there. But is it just that thing in the corner that's kind of a nuisance? Or is it the thing in the front of the room that's controlling every part of your life? Faith or fear? It's like the Hebrew writer says in the end part. What we see and what you can believe in and what you can continue to tell yourself is to read the stories and realize that faith sees beyond all that. And that's the faith that you have inside of you in Jesus. That's the faith that you've been given. If you have any needs this morning, come now as we stand and as we sing.